give things a minute to get rolling, rolling, rolling here. Got a uh, couple of thoughts on my minds tonight. Um, I got a call from a friend to uh, designate drive for him tonight. And uh, honestly, man, uh, from what I've seen the last few days, this uh, virus is kicking everything in the in the seat of the pants. Uh, I've been driving people around for two years now, and uh, I've never seen bars, restaurants uh, this dead, uh, empty of customers. Than ever before. Um, it's really sad. It's affecting every every service industry. I'm interested to see what the uh, statistics were for online shopping for Black Friday versus retail. Uh, I'm sure online was through the roof, and retail in-store was probably terrible. Um, now, pardon me, retailers have been trying to, uh, you know, help uh, with the pandemic because they don't want to be shut down again. Although some states they are. Uh, they have many such as Walmart which was you know always ground zero for some Black Friday shenanigans uh, it was uh, doing sales starting like last weekend or the week before maybe two weekends ago something like that but uh, ju just uh, really really sad out there for the the folk um, I want to hit some headlines before I talk the election. Um, so Bloomberg is reporting that Brexit talks are set to resume amid last-minute saber-rattling. The UK and European Union officials will resume face-to-face -face trade negotiations this weekend amid last-minute warnings from both sides of large disagreements that could scuttle a trade deal. Uh, I bring this up just because um, the two biggest shocks of 2016 were Brexit, the British exit of the European Union, and Donald Trump uh, winning the presidency. Uh, I ran into a British businessman who was here in the States uh, on business, oddly enough. And, uh, you know, we agreed that those were the two shockingest things uh, in 2016. And I can remember leading up to the presidential election, you know, all the polls were Hillary, Hillary, Hillary. And somebody brought up uh, a point that they thought that we were going to wake up on Wednesday morning and Donald Trump would be president, just like 
the astonishment when people woke up the day after Britain voted to leave the European Union. Uh, so that that's something, you know, Trump administration and election ordeals are still going on in the United States and Brexit is still going on in the United Kingdom. Uh, this was wild to me. Uh, wow, wild, 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 wacky stuff. Uh, Eric Clapton. This is from The Rap. W-R-A-P. Eric Clapton sparks backlash for a new anti-lockdown song with Van Morrison. And his ongoing musical protest against closures forced by COVID-19, Van Morrison has employed the help of Eric Clapton with a new song aimed to raise funds to support musicians that are struggling financially because of the pandemic. But the song has prompted backlash against the rock stars for their history of right-wing and sometimes racist comments. Of course, everybody's racist, right? What... What's Eric Clapton or Van Morrison ever done that was racist? First time I've ever heard that. That Eric Clapton, who his biggest song was Cocaine, or one of his biggest songs, now he's a right-wing racist. Uh, and I'm not saying that you know right-wing racists don't do cocaine, but uh, a big part of his career was spent uh, singing about drugs and other things, and some good love songs too, but, uh, Morrison's new collaboration with Clapton goes on to say, titled Stand and Deliver is the fourth anti-lockdown song the star has released since the start of the pandemic, joining groups with more blunt titles like Born to be Free, As I Walked Out, and No More Lockdown, which, Artists say the artist says created to protest closure orders by the British government. That's a little, that's more news from Britain. I always heard uh, Eric Clapton owned a castle in Columbus, Ohio, and he met a waitress in Columbus, Ohio, and fell in love and bought a castle. Uh, on the subject of COVID. Uh, the Steelers-Ravens football game, this is an interesting, is moved to Tuesday night. I do not recollect there ever being a Tuesday night professional football game ever. But uh, the NFL the article says, uh, what agency is reporting this? The Score, the score.com, I guess. Is the website. The NFL has moved the game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens from Sunday to Tuesday. This was initially supposed to be a Thanksgiving night game, a Thursday night football game. And it got bumped from there to Sunday. And now it's been moved from Sunday to Tuesday. Uh, several Ravens players are sick with the virus. Uh, the league also pushed the Ravens' Thursday game against Dallas Cowboys in Week 13 to Monday. So because they moved their Steelers game, they had to move their 
uh, game against the Cowboys, too. The matchup between Baltimore and Dallas was set for 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it'll be followed by San Francisco and the Buffalo Bills as part of a Monday night doubleheader. Baltimore is battling a COVID-19 outbreak that has forced the team to place more than 10 players on the reserve slash COVID list this week, including quarterback Lamar Jackson. Uh, I have Lamar Jackson in my fantasy football league, and I went and picked up uh, his backup, uh, Robert Griffin III. So Tuesday night I'll have a quarterback in fantasy football. Um, this is a significant story here. Suspected Iranian nuclear mastermind assassinated. An Iranian scientist long suspected by the West of masterminding a secret nuclear bomb program was killed in an ambush near Tehran on Friday that could provoke a confrontation between Iran and its foes in the last weeks of Donald Trump's presidency. Lisa Bernard produced this report. Now, as soon as this commercial's done playing, I'll unmute and we'll listen to Lisa Bernard's report, I think. But yeah, that's significant, you know. We've got I've got some tidbits on the new Biden administration that uh will interest you and kind of play into this Iran thing. Now, Iran and the Obama administration had a pretty good relationship. There was the Iran nuclear deal where <clears throat> Iran got a boatload of money from the United States. Let me get the sound up on this, though. An Iranian scientist long suspected by the West of masterminding a secret nuclear bomb program was killed in an ambush near Tehran Friday, an incident that could potentially provoke a confrontation between Iran and its foes during the final weeks of Donald Trump's presidency. Iran blamed U.S. ally Israel for the assassination of Mohsen Farisadeh, with the implication that the killing would have the blessing of Trump, and vowed to retaliate. Farisadeh died of injuries in the hospital after armed assassins fired on his car, Iranian state media reported. There was no immediate claim of responsibility for the attack. The Pentagon, State Department, CIA, and the White House all declined to comment, although Trump retweeted reports of his death. U.S. President-elect Joe Biden's team also declined to comment. Farisadeh has been described by Western and Israeli intelligence services for years as the leader of a covert atomic bomb program halted in 2003, which Israel and the U.S. accused Tehran of trying to restore in secret. Iran has long denied seeking to weaponize nuclear energy. Farisadeh was a central figure in a presentation by Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in 2018, accusing Iran of continuing to seek nuclear weapons. Remember that name, Farisadeh. Israel declined to comment on the killing. Last January, a U.S. drone strike in Iraq killed Qasem Soleimani, Iran's most powerful military commander. Iran retaliated for that attack by firing missiles at a U.S. base in Iraq, the closest the two foes have come to war in decades. Trump, who leaves office on January 20th, 
pulled the U.S. out of a deal under which sanctions on Iran were lifted in return for curbs on its nuclear program. Biden has said he would restore the deal once in office. Um, well, a couple, only two, three, four, five things wrong with that article. Um, one, we don't know that Donald Trump is leaving on January 20th. There's still a lot of legal battles to be pursued in that. And I think some of the tide is starting to turn in Trump's favor. Uh, though I, I still expect Joe Biden to be sworn in January 20th. Um, but this Iran nuclear deal needs to be a lot different. And there need to be inspections. Um, you know... Uh, and if it were the United States and Israel behind this attack, it would not have been carried out by armed gunmen. That's too, that's just not the way things have been done. Um, it would have been a drone strike. So anyways, uh, next thing that caught my eye, the Washington Examiner. I think that's what this is. Sorry that you're getting an extreme close-up. Yeah, that's the Washington Examiner. Rudy Giuliani calls Pennsylvania case a success. Says a lot of voter fraud evidence yet to be seen. Giuliani said, There are two ways Trump's legal team is getting around major censorship of widespread voter fraud allegations. He told Newsmax on Friday that the Trump camp is equally focused on presenting evidence to the state legislatures as they are on court hearings, but they are facing an uphill battle because of judges who won't hear their cases and media that won't air their presentations. Very true. Uh, the media is dead silent on this um, and we've found many many statistical anomalies and irregularities uh, deceased people voting uh, I'm going to do a little lengthier video with some things I've found out about uh, the Georgia voting uh, Tim Poole has a good video up on his YouTube channel <clears throat> Tim Cast and uh, Paul Joseph Watson did a good video. Uh, they think we're stupid was the name of his video. Uh, something in pop culture, though, to just break the norm here. Um, those of you that watch Dr. Phil, and I do not, but even as someone who doesn't watch it, uh, there was this girl on there who was 13 at the time. Uh, she had a famous line to one of the audience members where she said, cash me outside. How about that? And, uh, she's grown since then. And, uh, this website called postfun.com has, uh, the new found success of the cash me outside girl is incredibly wild. Nowadays, all you need is a video clip to go viral and make you, pardon me, make you famous. At least that's how it worked for Danielle Bergoli. After appearing on Dr. Phil at 13 years old, 
Her loud mouth and big attitude caught the attention of the world, both in good and bad ways. Yeah, um, she was like 13. And she probably rode the, this little 15 minutes of fame out for about a year or two. Then she kind of faded out, and at least in my mind, I'm not a pop, pop culture guy. I don't watch MTV or any of that, but I know she was given the rap music contracts. Uh, she was given contracts to host parties at nightclubs, and she was 13, and she was po hosting uh, parties. <laughs> okay. I guess you can host them, you just can't drink, but though I'm sure she probably might have. The article goes on to say her catchphrase, cash me outside, how about that, had been replayed millions of times. Most people dismissed her as a brat, but instead of caving to public pressure, she took her 15 minutes of fame and made as much a career and made a career. You'll be surprised to find out just how much this is this rebellious teenager has done since Dr. Phil. Uh, the episode that Danielle appeared on was called I've Given Up My Car Stealing, Knife Wielding, Twerking 13 Year Old Daughter Who Tried to Frame Me for a Crime. The title alone should give you an idea of what the episode was like. I think it's safe to say that. Growing up, she had a rocky relationship with her mother. She has also spoken in memorable street accent. She also spoke in a memorable street accent that normally wouldn't be heard from someone from her home street. So she was pretty upper middle classish, from what I understand. Oops, I'm going to click the next button. Um, she talked like no one else you've ever heard. She says that the wild accent. The wild accent. Was taught to her on the streets. I guess that would be the street of Boya, Boyton Raton or Boyton Beach, Florida, where she was born. Her parents, her parents, Ira Peskowitz and Barbara Bregoli, dated for a year before they had Danielle. Uh, she was primarily raised by her mother and is estranged from her father, who is a deputy for the Palm Beach Police Department. Well, let's just find out what she's doing now that was so important for them to post this article for crying out loud yeah I really thought this girl was going to end up dead of a drug overdose or something like that um, It seemed to Dr. Phil like this was just going to be another one of his shows where he turns a family's life around. And instead it turned into a 
a, a career for this girl because of one stupid line. Um, telling people. She likes to tell people off is what this is saying. It became popular that Walmart starts selling merchandise with her face and her slogan. Uh, she made millions off a lawsuit against Walmart for using her face and slogan. Where is she now? Her net worth is $4 million. Wow. Uh, at just 15, Danielle Bergoli is doing pretty good for herself. The teen made a deal with Copycat Beauty, which includes product placement within in her music videos and Instagram posts. The deal reportedly worth $900,000, which would bump up Danielle's net worth from it's current standing at three million or to four million. So she's got some tats. She's got some tattoos on her arm now, pretty uh, detailed. Uh, she told Time Magazine that after she became famous, she realized I cannot literally do, or she realized that I could literally do whatever I wanted. She said, "Wow." She was worth $4 million at 15. I thought this Dr. Phil episode was a lot longer ago than it was. Well, I'm not going to dwell on this. I want to talk politics. There will be a lot of links to all these things I've just been talking about in the description on rumble.com. But uh, we talked about Joe Biden and his supposed transition. Um... People in his cabinet, well, first of all, his transition is being crowd-funded. Now, since I watched this video from Tim Pool, a couple things have changed because the video is a few days old, but Biden is now officially uh, allowed some transition, but Typically, it's a government-funded thing, but because the election is not certified, the Electoral College is not voted, uh, he's not getting at those transition funds. So he did a crowdfundme or crowdfunding thing where people have been donating money, and he's raised $10 million to his transition team. Uh, Newsweek has an article up that uh, Trump's lawyer, Sidney Powell, says the Georgia election lawsuit will be biblical and that the Republican governor helped Biden. So this election is still dragging out. Uh, I'm not sure that every state legislature is going to certify their electors to vote for Biden. Uh, I think Pennsylvania... And Michigan are on that track. And what happens if Joe Biden falls below 270 electoral votes, he is not like automatically president because 
he allegedly got 80 million votes uh, and he's not the winner because he has the most electoral votes. If you go below 270, uh, then it falls to the U.S. House of Representatives to vote by delegation. Republicans control the majority of the delegations in the House of Representatives. Uh, there could be a brief period, but don't quote me on this, where Nancy Pelosi is president, but I don't think that will actually happen. Um, but in his transition team, Biden, or detailed by the New York Times, Biden's list of transition team members includes former Wall Street employees and those with close ties to Wall Street. Many big banks, many of the big banks with links to the Biden transition team members of were members of major donors to the former vice president. Uh, what are we doing here? Okay. Um, let me get here. Aaron Brockovich, the famed uh, Julia Roberts movie from the 90s, she tweeted, there are at least 40 former lobbyists on the Joe Biden transition team. The transition team's general counsel issued waivers to five people who are, are currently registered as lobbyists or were registered within the last year. Uh, as far as talking about the Iran thing, and remember, Hillary Clinton was really big on going to war with Russia when she was running, and Obama, uh, remember what I'm about to read, Obama was big on we were going to go to war with North Korea. Well, Biden's Pentagon transition team, members funded by the arms industry, an investigation found one-third of the team worked for organizations that received funding from weapons makers. <laughs> uh, this is reported by Dave DeCamp. On Tuesday, Joe Biden released a list of transition teams for the various departments uh, in his future White House. The Pentagon transition team for the Biden for Biden consists of 23 people, many of whom hail from hawkish think tanks. Uh, again, trending in politics. Dear Joe Biden, Aaron Brockovich pens an op-ed The Guardian in the Guardian titled Dear Joe Biden, Are You Kidding Me? in which she addresses the president-elect, he's not the president-elect yet, the Electoral College has not voted, but adding a former DuPont consultant. DuPont is a big, big United States uh, chemical company. They make a lot of synthetic chemicals. Uh, former DuPont consultant to his EPA transition team. So... Uh, anybody that thought they were going to get change with Biden is absolutely wrong. 
This is going to be a Washington politics as usual uh, administration. Some of you want that because it's it's not Donald Trump. Well, sorry guys, you know, you're giving up the best economy in the history of the world. And it was not Obama, Biden's economy. The way that uh, we've come out of this pandemic recession shows that much. And so, I mean, what, what do you want? What, what do you want from, from this? Uh, you know, yeah, you had a gruff, loudmouth president in Trump, but you've got the military-industrial complex, if you will, uh, weapons makers in the Biden transition and will certainly be in the Biden administration. You've got lobbyists or advisors for a chemical company, and you're talking about a Green New Deal uh, being more environmentally sound. At least with Trump, you knew what you were getting. Now, some people say, well, Joe Biden, we know what we're getting. We're getting the old Washington status quo. But I think Trump was a lot more forthright in a lot of things uh, than he was given credit for. Uh, very brutally honest, blunt with the media, that's for dang sure. Um, but if Biden managed to, manages to keep this steal alive, this uh, stolen election alive, you're going to have people who work for arms manufacturers, weapons manufacturers, uh, weapons dealers in high positions. Do you think we're going to stay out of war? Trump had a team that was dedicated to finding peace with other countries. No president that I ever heard of has, has ever done that. It was not an official cabinet level position because none exists. But he had people out there going, going out there pursuing peace deals. And he made great strides forward with Israel. Doing things that other presidents, going back to George Bush, promised. Uh, moving our embassy to Jerusalem. And people said that that would cause, you know, uh, a major Middle East war with the uh, Palestinians. And it did not. Um, but again, you know, lobbyists for chemical companies, Wall Street, big banks... Uh, weapons, arms, uh, distributors, salesmen in the cabinet. Come on. Uh, how much long do you think it's going to be before? It's not going to be. It's going to be January 21st if Biden is sworn in on the 20th. We're going to be headed towards a war. We're going to be seeing the fat cats get rich and in spite of the lies you've been told, the lower and middle classes and every minority class in America got rich faster than the upper class. The bottom classes in every demographic moved up the ladder 
the rich got richer too. There's always going to be a rich poor gap, like Margaret Thatcher said. It, it, there's always going to be a rich poor gap. It, why does it matter if it's up here or it's down here? There's always going to be that gap. But under Trump, this rich went up, poor went up faster. <coughs> Wasn't like that under Obama. Last time Biden was in charge, or sort of in charge, he didn't do much as a vice president. In fact, it was kind of like, I think there were a lot more uh, Joe, please shut up moments with Obama. You know, even before the uh, coronavirus task force that uh, Mike Pence was put in charge of, you know, Trump had him doing things. In fact, some would say Trump was kind of a front man and uh, Pence ran the things day to day behind the scenes. Uh, there was a rumor that Trump offered a deal to John Kasich where Kasich would you know, be a VP and run the day to day stuff while Trump was a front man taking care of the big stuff like the peace with North Korea and uh, the Israel peace and the economy etc etc but anyways some some food for thought who knows where this crazy election is going to end up could end up with the supreme court could very well end up with who could very well end up with the uh, House of Representatives voting by delegation for the next president. I do think that the Trump team is on that track right now. Didn't look like it at first. The media is not covering it that way. Not covering it, it at all. But it does look like uh, it's headed that direction. So, hey guys, God bless you. Thanks for watching, listening. Um, check me out on Rumble. It's called uh, Americana, the American Way. And until then, also on the Anchor podcast app, it's called Panic Attack with Big John. I'm on Parlor at the real Big John, all one word. So thank you guys very much. God bless you all. Have a great day. Pray for each other too. I'm going to take a few puffs here make sure everything's done recording.